everyone. Welcome back to TTT, the Talking Transport Transformation Podcast, brought to you by Tumi, the Transformative Urban Mobility Initiative. Last month marked the staggering and still shocking first anniversary of the start of the full-scale Russian war against Ukraine. How has the war changed the way civil society and activists work? Is an engagement for such profane matter as sustainable mobility and road safety in these circumstances still feasible? Or is the topic more relevant than ever, as human life has never been so valuable as it is today? Which challenges for road safety have existed in Ukraine before the start of the full-scale war? And what role does civil society play in solving pressing issues in the transport sector? Who better to answer these questions than today's guest, Olesia Kolopik. The Ukrainian lawyer is the director of the Center for Democracy and Rule of Law in Ukraine, advocating for better road safety in Ukraine for many years. Olesia has been awarded as one of the remarkable feminist voices in transport by the Women Mobilize Women Initiative. She traveled two days by train from Kiev to Berlin, and of course, we used the opportunity to speak with her in person to share her perspective with you, the listeners of the Talking Transport Transformation podcast. My colleague, Matthias Merford, will discuss current, former and future challenges with Elysia. We'll dive into Elysia's work as an advocate for human rights and mobility, the challenges she has faced and the lessons she has learned. Let's listen in. Hi, Olesia. It's a very big pleasure for me to meet you today here in Berlin. This Thursday, you will be awarded as one of the remarkable feminist voices in transport, an initiative by Tumi and the Women Mobilized Women Network to honor extraordinary achievements in the transport sector. How do you feel about the nomination and being here in Berlin right now? Hello. Uh, first of all, thank you for the invitation. Uh, you know, when I received the email that I was nominated... I was so surprised that I rejected several times. If my email was in the recipient line, then I realized, wow, I was nominated. Uh, so it was an amazing day when I received this email. You know, it's a great honor to be among this wonderful and empowered women from all around the world. And I see this a great opportunity to hear there achievements in the transport sector. And speaking about the Berlin, uh, to get to the Berlin, I need, it took me approximately two days mm-hmm. by trains since uh, Ukraine closed the airspace for civilian um, flights uh, since the start, since Russia started the, inva- the invasion in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. But this long trip is worth it. Yeah, thanks for being here. This is an extraordinary effort. I think that made it even harder than for some of the other participants. And therefore, it is a great pleasure like, to have you here and being able to speak with you in person. Yeah, getting to the, the, to the topic of our podcast as well. Historically, urban and transport planners have failed to take gender aspects into consideration. What in practice means that our transport systems often fail to, to cater for the needs of all population groups, which actually have very diverse daily mobility patterns and needs. And this is where you come into play uh, in your work as a director uh, of the Center for Democracy and Rule of Law in Ukraine. You have been advocating for better road safety and enhancing the role of civil society in Ukraine. 
for many years. And uh, in that, you have been actually very successful. So um, the Kiev Post has been recognizing you as one of the uh, top 30 under 30 in 2018. So that's a big honor. Among many other matters, you organized awareness campaigns on road safety, you worked on public policies to reduce social inequalities. And so could you tell our listeners what is the story behind all that and how you and your colleagues at uh, the CEDEM are tackling uh, the, the problem? I'm a lawyer by profession, and my story in the road safety and transport sector began seven years ago when our organization launched a road safety campaign named For Safe Roads. It's an advocacy campaign and aimed to reduce mortality and injuries on the Ukrainian roads. Mm-hmm. And we are focusing on the risk factors recognized by WHO, like speeding, ignoring mm-hmm. seat belts, distracted driving. Also, I should mention that these risk factors are presenting in Ukraine, and it's not the only problem. We also have um, the, dent- uh, the dangerous road infrastructure that also have the negative effect for uh, mobility in, in Ukraine. Within our advocacy work, uh, together with our partner from civil society sector, with the government, uh, representative of the parliament, which is working on the improving the legislation in the road safety and the transport, mm-hmm. transport sector. And you know that working in this area uh, is a little bit stressful and you just need to be ready that it's a long-term game. And uh, for our organization, mm-hmm. for our team, it's important to, to keep it this campaign. And um, we decided uh, some ways how we be motivated to do this. Mm-hmm. And what we, what we do. We are trying to celebrate the intermediate result achievements because we know that just to see the result of your work, the impact, even you need several years. Just from start mm-hmm. from one uh, legislation initiative till the end of the implementation uh, of this initiative. Uh, just I want to, to add that. What we are doing currently in Ukraine, uh, since it's a war right now in Ukraine, we're just uh, campaigning for uh, compliance, the traffic rules, just to help our police, uh, our medics, rescue team, not to spend additional time for traffic accidents. Mm-hmm and to be more focused on saving uh, victims on the war. Mm-hmm. Uh, another point that I would like to add that uh, our first lady, Olena Zelenska, uh, several years ago, even before the war, initiated the development of the national strategy, uh, the, the strategic document, national strategy, very free environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
the official name just uh, named the National Barrier Free Strategy. Uh, this document was adopted and also action plan was developed. And our team, our lawyers, also were involved in the development of this document. And we see that uh, all these efforts uh, have the results right now because uh, development, very free environment is uh, one of the priority right now because we face a lot of damages uh, caused by war. And it also will be a good chance to, to restore or to build a new friendly environment for uh, different groups uh, of the society. Mm -hmm. Wow, that is very interesting to have this insight, like from you personally, and how this also shapes um, the understanding that policymakers and planners under understand this through a completely previously unimaginable idea, so that you will have to cater for many more people which will be uh, which are already mobility impaired and that need to be reflected in in, uh, in planning urban spaces and urban roads so that is absolutely wonderful that those initiatives are already beginning and that you are really supporting them that you are on them and that that this goes up directly until the uh, up to the to the to your first lady that's good to hear and so um, you have a lot of experience in, in advocating those improvements in road safety as well as in transport legislation so we know the impact chain is sometimes a little bit longer so it's very good to see successes that we can already perceive on short in the short and medium term what have been your biggest challenges in in your work and uh, how do you perceive things have changed over the last year so also including the time before the war you know in advocacy work, a very common challenge is just to persuade uh, the stakeholders, I mean the representative of the government or members of parliament, just to initiate or even to vote for the new legislation. Especially in the case when uh, this politician, politician have a lack of the expertise or knowledge in this uh, area. And also another difficulty that we faced when some even members of parliament just have some bias regarding uh, that, that solution that we propose. But frankly speaking, and it won't be an exaggeration that the biggest challenge in our work is a full-scale war in Ukraine that affected the, all areas of mm -hmm. our society. And mobility became a mean of survival of those evacuating. Mm -hmm. So road safety, advocacy, and advocacy in mm -hmm. mobility um, is actual now. Right now also... Uh, all our politicians, members of parliament and other officials, they are engaged in uh, in the military, military and uh, uh, war staff. And it's very hard just to say uh, them to put the road safety agenda, mobility agenda immediately uh, is a national agenda. And 
I think that we need some initial time to work on this, to persuade them, and to. I think that one of the argument is that we have no right to lose any lives on the roads in the wartime. Yeah, it's good that you say that. So sometimes there is the public discussion or discussions at all. Are you people um, like um, fighting for sustainable mobility? You want that all people walk and use the bicycle and you're walking against cars. What is absolutely not true. Um, but we're here actually talking about saving lives. So if roads are congestions and emergency vehicles cannot pass, that endangers the, the life of people. And we're not only talking about the, the direct danger of um Of, of dying in a road traffic accident. So, and in situations and in times of war, uh, any additional life lost is an absolute, absolute loss for the society. And, and uh, yeah, it's unacceptable, those losses. So, um, yeah, coming to this general public discussions, because very often it is about public perception and uh, it is the very interesting point in mobility that everybody has an opinion <laughs> opinions are very different perspectives are very different in the transport sector so um like similar initiatives in germany in ukraine um there was the campaign about reflective equipment for pedestrians and cyclists so that car drivers would better recognize them um often such campaigns outsource the responsibility to cope with the actual danger uh, in road transport mostly to those who are the most vulnerable. Uh, what is your perspective on those discussions in Kiev and in Ukraine? Yes, uh, the initiatives are similar, but uh, the context completely different. Russia has destroyed approximately 50% of the, the energy infrastructure. As a result, cows in our city, villages, uh, power cutting, uh, dark cities, dark, dark uh, streets. And yes, uh, usage of the reflective elements, one of the best practices to, to save your life uh, in such condition. And it could help to reduce the injuries, the, the death. Uh, especially right now in Ukraine. Uh, however, when we are talking about the obligation of usage of these reflect, uh, reflective elements, we should not forget to talk about other issue, speeding. And it's very important because you could, you could be bright like a Christmas tree on the street, mm -hmm. but if you faced a car with a high speed, There's no chance to be alive. I think that the most important to urge drivers to slow down. Mm -hmm. And of course, uh, it will be a win-win situation when the pedestrian or cyclist uh, are wearing reflective elements, they, they will become more visible for drivers. But mm -hmm. the drivers should be responsible on the roads and to slow down and to be very careful. I think uh, this would be the, the most appropriate solution in this case. We should not... Uh, Maybe we should not leave the responsibility only with the... With the pedestrian cyclists. <laughs> 
of which we are talking only um, the obligation of the pedestrian mm-hmm. cyclist is looks like a victim blame. Yeah, I imagine that. I mean, uh, this is um, this is the same. It includes a lot. No, if we like have a systematic approach towards road safety, obviously there are things that uh, road users can do to protect themselves, but this is only one element. So if road design is not um, is not appropriate, if uh, uh, mobility users, if car drivers uh, don't stick uh, to the traffic rules, this all has a negative impact on road safety. After all, and I guess um, the yeah the approach of uh, vision zero mobility, of uh, vision of uh, zero fatalities and mobility requires a very comprehensive action, and it is something that you are and actively. Just, I, I want to add that speeding. Uh, remains the main cause of mm-hmm. uh, tragic accident accidents in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. It's an important issue and we just should work on this issue and to, to improve the legislation that would make uh, the drivers go slower mm-hmm. and, of course, to build the appropriate infrastructure. Yeah, thank you so much, um, uh, Olesia, for that question. You told us that you, you continued your work even after the start of the full-scale Russian invasion to your country. And uh, certainly for all Ukrainians and for all people in Europe as well, times have changed and, and everything is different now compared to before February 24th in 2022. Um, what actually or what specifically has changed in the everyday mobility of ukrainian citizens what is different now how what are the specific challenges people meet so not only from a road safety perspective but from the access to mobility services in general a full-scale war in ukraine changed all aspects of our life particularly uh transport sector of mobility and i would like to share with our listeners, in what new reality we live, all, all Ukrainians mm-hmm. in Ukraine. The, the first, that uh, unfortunately, public transport isn't always reliable. You know, we we have all the time the air raid alarm because Russia is planning to attack the territory of Ukraine. And in every case, when a rate alarm owns, the public transport stop working. When the city is under the missile attack, it doesn't operate at, at all. Electric transport does not work when the, the power mm-hmm. cuts. This leads to another problem that people who usually don't use, uh, don't have a car, just are thinking about buying a car mm-hmm. or and to obtain a drive li- license. And as a result, we have also a negative effect mm-hmm. and for the climate in, in general. Also, outside trips, are very dangerous in Ukraine, especially uh, on the ter- uh, the occupied territory. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a lot of checkpoints, mine territories, uh, destroyed infrastructure, and every driver should be very very careful mm-hmm. because the wrong 
action that run uh, when you choose the wrong direction also could worth a life. At the beginning of the war, we have the uh, deficit of the uh, of the petrol, mm-hmm. and right now almost every drive driver in Ukraine has the habit to to have a canister with the petrol. Mm-hmm. So in the car, because um, if you have a long long uh, distance trip, it's a chance that you won't. Uh, find the uh, the petrol station. As I mentioned before, as our energy infrastructure, a part of our energy infrastructure, are destroyed, we faced blackouts, and it's a major problem in Ukraine because it's affected also for road safety, for 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 mobility as well. Uh, for example, when the Traffic lights are turned off. The risk of accident mm-hmm. increase rapidly. Uh, when the street lights are off, it's very dangerous for pedestrian, for cyclist. As we mentioned before, uh, we just need to wear the reflective elements just to be visible. In conclusion, the mobility in Ukraine, in the city, became more complicated. And you just, uh, when you are planning your trip or journey, you are under risk that something could be interrupted due to the missile attack, due to the blackouts, or due to destroyed infrastructure. And the Google Maps couldn't know about all details about mm-hmm. the destroyed roads mm-hmm. or bridges, etc. Wow, that's uh, those insights are quite yeah. Everyone who is not really into the discussion and does not follow the news on on that level of detail, I think this is like very impressive. I'm personally also reading a lot of news and following that from a personal interest as I have been uh, working and living in Ukraine some years ago as well. So this is also personally very touching for me. Um, I wanted to ask here, what is your perception? Which conclusions do policymakers and planners take out of that? So with regards to the reconstruction of, of, of cities, of transport infrastructure, of urban mobility, um, where do you see the discussion is is going right now or where it should go? You have mentioned that there are like some disadvantages of public transport regarding electricity blackouts, that people rather fall back to owing a private car as a means of safety. Um, on the other hand, probably it could be when starting to 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 reshape and to rebuild cities, um, electric public transport could also help the country to be less dependent on fossil uh, on foreign uh, fossil fuel imports. Uh, eventually, topics like car sharing could come into play again. So, how do you see that discussions, or is it rather going into a uh, into a sustainable direction, into a unsustainable direction? Is are there the two sides? So, how, how do you perceive that? in terms of, of uh, uh, rebuild back better and the green reconstruction of Ukraine. Good news that I see uh, this discussion 
between the decision makers and the urban specialists uh, and other experts that after after our victory we need to think to uh, rebuild uh, our country according to the best standards and best practices right now we have the dis- discussion what we will do after the victory how we rebuild our cities how the infrastructure become more friendly to different groups and we start to do this right now and uh, decision makers are willing to to hear all these pieces of advice is how we need to implement these best practices and i see this uh, as uh, an opportunity uh, to take uh, to consider all the needs from different groups uh, people with uh, disabilities limited mobilities included in this decision future solution as i mentioned before about this uh, national repair strategy is also include this uh, vision for the, for the future so this, it will be a good chance just to uh, to improve our environment yeah i think this is an uh, enormous disruption of of the development of a country that at the same time opens up a lot of chances in terms of building back uh, or building building more resilient uh, societies, uh, building more resilient uh, and sustainable infrastructure. I think there are a lot of chances and uh, these ongoing discussions, they are, it's, it's absolutely fantastic that they're already uh, held and uh, we hope for the best and first of all that the Russian army will be defeated as fast as possible and uh, uh, will leave uh, the territory of uh, Ukraine. Um, in your previous interview, you mentioned that if you could, you would tell your younger self not to be afraid to fail and it is okay not to get it right the first time. Um, stay calm, ask yourself what you can learn from it and try again. Uh, no one has the right to judge you but yourself. However, I would like to ask you here in your podcast as well, what has been the most important lesson you have learned in your working life? It's been a full-scale war in Ukraine for more than one year. And right now, you never know when and where uh, the next missile attack, the, uh, the Russian missiles attack your city. And what I've learned that Everything uh, can be restored, rebuilt, renewed, except human life. And for me, uh, the most important lesson is just to appreciate and to support all my family, my relatives, my colleagues, my team in every day, in every work, working activity. Great. That's good to hear. And I think we can everybody take an, an example for this um, to appreciate our colleagues, to appreciate their work, what they are doing, and just uh, understanding and perceiving them as, as human beings um, that are not just there, but that we actually have chances 
to just not have them anymore, that this loss is something that is very present in your life now, but actually it could happen in all other situations. So it's, I think it's a good, very nice call for appreciation. Um, so besides your, um, your great involvement, you now also have a second full-time job as being a mom with the, of a small baby boy. Um, has this actually, or how has this actually impacted your perception of, of road safety, of um, just and inclusive access to mobility? Since I've become a mother, and of course, I have a stroller. <laughs> I am able to check uh, how the city are friendly or unfriendly for new parents or for people with a limited uh, mobility. And I see that my city uh does not like me well. <laughs> <laughs> I spend a lot of time just to plan my everyday daily uh, trip to a cafe to to shop uh, just in order to have a comfortable walk and I noticed that... And when I, when I go into a coffee shop, for example, I'm thinking if I'm able to go with my baby into that mm -hmm. building, to the cafe. And I suppose that uh, the architecture or the designer of the street or building, probably he or she... Um, never thinking about my needs as a new parent and it's a pity and all this, this situation just motivated me to work harder in mm. this area uh, to make uh, the city more friendly for, for, new, for mm -hmm. new parents and I was so surprised when I see a lot of uh, young parents in the Berlin. And I really enjoy uh, my walking with a baby in this city. Yeah, thank you. That's very nice to hear. Uh, being a parent myself, uh, also of a small boy, um, the, there are also challenges in everyday life and we have similar considerations obviously knowing we are privileged to live in a, in a city with a very good public transport systems where generally also we have safe walkways but not everything is perfect or actually we are far from perfect as well so i think um yeah we will just continue to to fight to improve um, our city's transport systems and uh, i want to say um, so much thank you to you i can only express my gratitude for having this conversation with you um, I really admire what you are doing and I learned a lot today. And um, I'd also like to thank our listeners for being with us and um, yeah, wish you, Alessia, yet a great and exciting week here in Berlin. Um, all the best for your further engagement uh, in your job and the important job you're doing uh, for you personally and your family and for your country. And uh, yeah, Slava Ukraine. Thank you, Olivia, for sharing your insights with us today. 
your and your colleagues' engagement for sustainable mobility and protecting human life, even in those challenging times, is truly inspiring. We appreciate your dedication to this important cause, even in the face of ongoing war. We also thank our listeners and hope you gained valuable insights from this interview. That, as you could hear, was very touching, not only on professional, but also on a personal level. Tumi stands with Ukraine and remains supporting the country's ambition in the transport sector to strive for an independent, democratic and sustainable future for all members of its society. Thanks again to you for joining our podcast today. And as always, thanks for tuning in and hear you next time.